Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, Hawks executive Arthur Trish. Do you not have privileges with the rookies? You can't make them take care of that? You think I'm going to tell Ivan Johnson something? Are you crazy? I value my life. With your host, Gallup Anderson. Stops it now behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball, Richard Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming. Do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip-off. Oh, yes. Glad to be back. Seku Smith, the Hangtime blog at NBA.com, here on the Hangtime podcast. Lang Whitaker, my co-host in New York. Yo. Langston. How are you? What is the deal, sir? I am uh, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> T-minus <laughs> T minus what? Eight games and count for most everybody? Seven yeah, I games? Think, I think nine days. No, yeah, I mean, we're the, the, playoffs, the playoffs are looming almost uh, upon us here, and... Uh, I have to admit, I'm, I'm trying now to decide what I think will be the potentially the most intriguing playoff series. We talked about it a little bit last week uh, on the Hangtime Podcast here, but uh, it, the race is taking a different shape. You know, every night it's a different uh, incarnation of how these matchups might work. But I've, I've been staring at the standings. You know, been staring right. at them and trying to make making a you know making an assumption of what could possibly happen. Have you have you taken a gander at the breakdown in in the Western Conference in terms of, you know, it changes daily with those bottom couple of spots or at least the, the A spot could change hands a couple of times here. But have you looked at the 3-6 matchup we might get and then the 4-5 matchup in the West? Well, as you said, it changes, you know. I mean, there's a chance it could be who L.A. Dallas is that you're talking about. Well, yeah, it could round? be L.A. Dallas in the first round, which to me would be fantastic. Right now it's L.A. Right now Denver. it's L.A. Denver, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then that four or five, good grief, the Clippers and the Grizzlies. The hang time Grizzlies? What? Well, I don't I don't know if you heard. I'm actually uh, – we adopted them a couple of years ago, but they've grown so much. I mean, we can't afford to feed them anymore. We're going to have to let them uh, move out of the house. And we're we're currently in the process of, of drawing up some papers for a new team. So um, okay. we looked at the Pistons last week. That was our team we looked at last week. This week we're going to look at a couple others. Your Timberwolves. You know the fighting Ricky Rubios are on the list, so I mean they're basically a. I mean if Rubio was healthy, they were a playoff team. Right, right. So that might disqualify them. Listen to you. If Rubio was healthy, they'd be peace in the Middle East. They were like the eighth team <laughs> while he was healthy. Um, I mean, I think you should maybe even you know l- l- looking at what your support did for the Grizzlies. Yes, I think perhaps you should even aim higher. Really. You think we ought to see if we can't take some team over the top and make them a championship contender? Maybe like the Charlotte Bobcats? (laughs) (laughs) 
By the way, did you catch John Schumann's line in the uh, yeah. in the NBA.com <laughs> power rankings Monday? It came out. I believe his exact comment was, "This team stinks." Yeah, which you know couldn't be couldn't be a more appropriate uh, explanation for what's going on in Charlotte this year. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, we talked about the Western Conference, you know, playoff matchups in the East. Uh, you know, we could have potentially have some some pretty explosive matchups as well. Um, I, I personally have my eyes on that Miami New York series, um, if it comes to fruition at two seven, which you know we got a little preview, a little taste of it the other day, and uh, now we're gonna talk a little bit of Heat right now with our first guest on the Hang Time Podcast line, Mike Wallace of ESPN dot com. Know him well; he's been on the show before. The potential matchups, um, you know, in the playoffs and that that Knicks Heat. I mean, I, the history. The drama, you know, and the fact that, you know, you got Carmelo on one side, you know, and you got the big three, LeBron, you know, D. Wade and, and Boston, the other. Is that is that kind of an ideal first-round matchup if you're going to have one for the Heat just to be tested and to, to be put in that, that spotlight early on? Yeah, I agree with you. And as a matter of fact, I mean, I've been saying that and writing that and, and – you know, basically promoting that as the matchup that Miami should want, you know, mm-hmm. because if you're a Miami Heat fan, obviously the Heat-Knicks rivalry is a big-time deal. But but to go beyond that, Philadelphia just won't force Miami to get into its A game in the first round. They know that they can show up with their C-minus game and, and eliminate the Sixers just like they did last year. But the Knicks will make sure they come in with their focus. It'll make sure they, they come in on edge. Um, and, and frankly, you know, Carmelo Anthony is dangerous enough to uh, to steal a couple games from these guys. So, you know, it'll be it'll be an intriguing matchup, but I think the way it'll work out is, uh, you know, the the Knicks may <laughs> the Knicks may do enough damage to try to get up to six with the way the Orlando Magic are falling. So, right. you yeah. know, they bounce back with a couple wins, but um, you know, it's good. no matter how it shapes up, you know, as long if they can avoid Philly, then I know they'll go in with their with their A game. Mm-hmm. Michael, can you give us like a a temperature check on the Heat right now? I know that you know they started the season. Um, playing at a really fast pace, getting up and down the floor. It seems like, you know, I haven't watched every game, but it seems like they've slowed down a little bit as the season's gone along. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's, it's fair. It's not, you know, it's, it's fair and it's accurate. You know what I mean? The, the thing about it is that, you know, you can't sustain that kind of pace that they set early on just because, you know, teams get scouting reports too. I mean, they know that, you know, the one way Miami is sure to beat you is in transition. So. Right. You have to get back. Number one, teams have been able to make more three-point shots and more jump shots. So Miami's forced to take the ball out of the net, and that slows them down, number one. Number two, you know, guys are being, you know, getting back defensively in transition. And, you know, Miami can't keep up that, you know, 106, 107-game uh, point of pace, you know, uh, every single game, especially if you're not getting, you know, 40 points from your bench each night. So that, that puts a lot of pressure on, you know, Dwayne, LeBron and Chris Bosh to, to be able to play at that pace. I mean, the Lakers were able to do it because the Lakers were deep. Oklahoma City can do it because they have guys that can, you know, your, your fourth or fifth guy on that team can score 20, 25 a game if he needs to. So right. Miami's just a different team in that fashion, but they know that that's the pace they'll have to get back to uh, once the playoffs start. Mike, what are we what are we focusing on, you know, right now that, that's maybe overdone with this Heat squad? Um, you know, I know – LeBron and D-Wade stay in the crosshairs basically every day. Um, but what what is it that they got going on right now that's, that's, that's really catching spotlight and maybe something that we should be looking at? I, and I ask that because I barely hear people mention Chris Bosh's name anymore. 
And and I'm right. wondering, has he fallen completely out of the the glare? And and are we, you know, are we missing something with him? Or I mean, what's going on the nuts and bolts of this team that gets overlooked in this everyday story about what LeBron and D Wade are doing? Well, well, the thing is, I mean, those two guys, it, 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 I, I would even go as far as to say that LeBron has even distanced himself mm-hmm. from Dwayne Wade in that. You know what I mean? Well, Dwayne yeah. is. We know that Dwayne is is, is a top five player, top five. Uh, you know, producer in the league. But if you if you've seen Dwayne play this season and and you start to notice how the injuries are catching up to him, mm-hmm. um, it, it really distinguishes itself from how remarkable of a specimen physically LeBron is versus everybody else on this roster. And yeah. you know, I, I think that's what strengthens his MVP argument in my case. You know, not only has he done it offensively, he's he's guarded all five positions defensively. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit. It's hard to say LeBron doesn't get enough credit for anything, <laughs> enough, you know, because he does. But, but for a guy, I mean, think about this: for a guy to defend all five positions right. and not be able to give up much of anything, and we know, you know, Paul Gasol, you know, would love to see LeBron trying to defend him in the post, or Andrew Bynum would. But for two or three possessions in the fourth quarter when you need a stop, for that guy to be able to step up and say, "I'll do it," and then the next night, you know, lock up Derrick Rose. I mean, that that says a lot about him. So I think that's one thing that that people tend to overlook a little bit in terms of LeBron's greatness is that he truly is doing it on both ends of the court. And, you know, he might not be able to get defensive player of the year, but I think the fact that he's done it defensively shows that he's clear, clearly uh, the MVP of the league. Right. Well, I had to, my, one, my thought was I was watching the game this weekend and um, Joel and Anthony played a pretty big role. I watched the game last week and, and Turiaf played like 30 minutes. Um, are the rotations – kind of a fluid thing or is this something are, are they trying to figure out what's going to be the deal going into the playoffs what it seems like the heat are a little bit you know again i don't watch every single game but it seems like they're yeah. a little bit kind of unsure of what's going on from game to game there yeah they're in flux man i mean they're you know beyond you know be obviously beyond the big three i mean it in some cases you could say it doesn't matter who they roll out there you know the production is not going to get appreciably better or appreciably worse Right. Um, there's just so much inconsistency with these guys. I mean, you know, you just said it. I mean, you you, you rolled out Joel Anthony and, and Ronnie Turioff to start a question. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So with that says, damn, I, I wasn't sure which way you were going to go with that. One. But uh, but 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 the thing is, is that you know, uh, the point guard position uh, has been in flux. I mean, they thought Mike Bibby was an answer last year. That sort of blew up in their face. This year, they think Ronnie Turioff is going to be somewhat of an answer. We'll see how it goes. Um, they're relying on a rookie, Norris Cole, who really hadn't done anything since the All-Star break. Mario Chalmers has been off since the All-Star break. Um, Mike Miller, you can't rely on him physically. James Jones is in and out of the, the rotation. You know, um, yeah, and, and the thing is, all of those things were still problems for this team last year, and they overcame them to get all the way to the NBA Finals with a 2-1 lead over Dallas. So if they can get one of those guys to step up in, in some kind of consistent way, then I think that'll be enough to try to put them over the top. Mike, do you think we're assuming too much with this Heat team this year that, that they're going to be able to magically flip a switch come playoff time and mm-hmm. get right back into that postseason vibe and you know that they had last year and do and do all this stuff? I mean, are we are we maybe giving them too much credit and not recognizing the some of the warts because I, you know people have said the same thing about Oklahoma City where we just go assuming because the team played at a really high level for so long yeah. that they'll be able to turn you know turn it on right. again. Uh, at the end of April and just magically get back to normal. I mean, is are we maybe over overstating how easy that is for these teams to do? See, and and that's therein lies the the the, the difference. Um, 
in sort of the hypocrisy between the Miami Heat and Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, look at both teams over the last three weeks. They've both struggled pretty much the same way. You know, mm-hmm. Oklahoma City hit a little rut, too. And all we keep hearing about is how Miami's been inconsistent at best since the All-Star break. They're losing something since the All-Star break. What's going on with Dwayne Wade? Why isn't Chris Bosh consistent? And you never hear that as part of the national narrative with Oklahoma City. And they're in a stretch right now where they're playing 500 basketball, to be honest. So, right. you know, and San Antonio could easily, you know, clip them if they hadn't already. I hadn't checked the standings after last night, but, I mean, you know, they're right there holding on to number one. So yeah, yeah. both of these teams could be number two seeds, but the narrative surrounding each team is completely night and day in, in some regards. But having said that, you know, I go back to what I said in the last question was, I can give you if, – if I give you Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh and then tell you to put any point guard or center – from anybody's <laughs> roster uh, in the league, and, and, and not even a starter, just anybody's backup at that position. Mm-hmm. And I'd still take my chances on Miami Heat being able to get at least to the conference finals, if not all the way to the NBA finals. So I don't think it's a mu- as much about them flipping a the switch because I think the switch is still there. The switch has always, always been flipped with LeBron. He's played from coast to coast right. start to finish this season. Um, Dwayne, when he's out there, he gives it what he can give him. Bosch is the one that you have to worry about with the flip, the switch consistency, because there are nights where he just, you know, he just sleepwalks through a game, and mm. you know it's it's unacceptable for a man to be making the money he's making <laughs> and giving you 16 points and four rebounds. You know, he's giving you boozer-like production, and that's not going to be acceptable for the Heat to get it all. Wow, I didn't realize. I, didn't, I mean, am I lying? Am I, no, am I, I, lying I didn't even that? I didn't even really think about that the numbers until you just yeah. said it, because like I said, Bosch has been such an afterthought. Unfo- you know, no offense to him, but, I mean, he's been such an afterthought to me this season. No, it is offense to him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, don't take him off the hook, man. You know, wasn't, I mean, last year in the playoffs, he was probably the most consistent player throughout the entire From start thing, to finish, he? maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. He was. Consistent. He was, but, but Not the, the best, is, what we, but consistent. What we saw was we saw Dwayne Wade completely get taken out of that Chicago Bulls series. Yeah. Um, and, and LeBron James get completely taken out of that Dallas series. So, you know, when, when, when two of those guys or one of those guys is down, Bosch, is, Bosch does increase his production. He plays his best basketball when Dwayne Wade's out of the lineup. That's why they're 11-1 and one, uh, without Dwayne Wade this season because he knows that as a number two, he's going to get the touches, the looks, and the focus in the offense that he won't get as a number three. But that doesn't affect you as a rebounder. you got to go in. I don't yeah. care if he gets 25, 30 points. He'll score 30 tomorrow against Toronto. He'll get 12 rebounds against Toronto, but it's a matter of what you're going to get when it's Oklahoma City or Boston. And, um, you know, that, those are the teams that you have to grade Chris Bosh against, not the teams that anybody can get 20 and 10 against, but just the teams that they'll need him to do it against in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, you brought up some stuff about Wade. I got to ask, mm-hmm. is, is, has Wade hit that, that point in his career? I know that people always say, you know, when they, a guy hits 30, you know, his – everything changes, the body slows down a little bit, you know, the wear and tear starts catching up to him. I've been wondering and I've been ner- I've been nervous about asking it this year cuz you don't want to you don't want to put that on a guy before his time, but has Wade hit that point? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Has Wade hit that point where he's not going to be able to bounce back obviously from injuries the way he might have right. early in his career and you know, you have to start looking at him and recognizing hey, all those years of you know, being crashed and just, you know, doing all this yeah. stuff is, is really taking its toll on him. Because I feel like that's what I'm seeing sometimes out of Wade. And then he'll go right. off and score 10 in a row like he did the other day. And, yeah. you, you know, you go, oh, no, he's fine. I mean. I, I, I do the same thing, man, and I see these guys every day. I, yeah. I think it's a fair question to ask. 
And I don't even think it's offensive to Dwayne to even be, you know, asked that question simply because to acknowledge that is to say, look, you overachieved despite how talented and great you've been. You still overachieved to be, you know, magnificent for the first eight years of your career. Right. At some point, you played you play well above six, three and a half. You know, you played well above anybody at your size is supposed to play. So at some point, you know, you're going to put your body at a point where you're 30, but your body says you're 34 or right. 35. Right. And, and I think that's fair because, you know, Kobe has managed that really, really well. And, and Dwayne is honest enough to admit that he's looked at, he studied Jordan when Jordan hit 30. He studied Kobe Bryant as much as their rivals. He studied the way Kobe has sort of, you know, conditioned himself in the offseason uh, to sort of prepare for this. Uh, Reggie Miller is another guy. Ray Allen is another guy that he's talked about in terms of how Ray has had to change his game. Because people look at Ray now and see a jump shooter, the guy with the sweetest jumper in the league. Right. But Ray was an attacking shooting guard when he first came in. Yeah. I mean, he was a guy that would take it to the hole and dunk on you. And then he developed that jumper as well to, uh, to be his primary move. So Dwayne is sort of in that stage now where he's trying to do that part of it. He doesn't recover as quickly from injuries. Um, you know, he's trying to develop his mid-range game and still have that explosion when he needs to get to it in the fourth quarter. You're not seeing him do those kind of things in the first, the second, and third quarter as much anymore. So, you know, he hired a nutritionist. Um, he's on a strict, you know, diet with trying to, you know, get more vegetables in his systems. Um, you know, he's, he's doing a lot more. He's lost a little bit more weight this year. He's got his body fat percentage where he needed to go. Right. Because he anticipates having to make that adjustment uh, at this stage of his career. Mike, do you think in – you touched on the MVP conversation. I've been battling it all year. Um, you know, doing the MVP ladder for NBA.com. Yeah. We do that kid race to the MVP. The the Heat fans have – there's a clear division. You know, there's this group that says this is Wade's team. Um, you know, uh, LeBron is just – you know, he's, he's the sidekick, this and the other. Then there are people like me who look at it and say, well, in between Shaq and LeBron, D-Wade was on 40-win teams. I mean, yeah. as great yeah. as he was individually, the yeah. Heat were they were winning 40 games, making the playoffs, and then sometimes not when he wasn't, you know, when Wade wasn't fully healthy. There's no way I can look at them now and see them competing for the best record in the East or the, the top spot in the Eastern Conference standings and tell you that, well, that's because of Dwayne Wade having to support LeBron. When LeBron's teams in Cleveland, you know, were 60-win teams and the best teams in the league during the regular season. I've, I've maintained all along that LeBron is the guy – even if he doesn't make the clutch shot in the last minute of the game, if he's the best player on the floor for the first 46 minutes, therefore he would be my MVP. Am I am I wrong in saying that? Uh, and, and do you think that's a fair uh, assessment of those two guys and the way that their dynamic is on that team? It, it, it's a very tricky, you know, tricky, you know, situation with those two guys because I'm still finding myself after you know almost two full seasons around them, you know, trying to to to, to sort of divvy up that same you know, dichotomy that you talked about. I mean, I'm trying to figure out, you know, whose team uh, is it. Uh, from, yeah. And the thing is, here's, here's, where I, here's where I stand on this after looking at these guys. And I saw it almost immediately, but I, I had to give myself time to really, really, you know, reflect on what I was seeing. Dwayne Wade is comfortable enough in his own skin and in his own legacy to say, you know what, LeBron, you do the heavy lifting, you know, for three quarters or three and a half quarters or for 45 minutes of the game. You know, um, and if you need me to come in and say, all right, I'm going to take over down the stretch, I'll do it. It won't be as, as obvious that you're not doing anything in the last three because I'm going to keep you involved, but this is what I'll do. He's sort of like the big brother in the situation. Dwayne is, is clearly the big brother, mm -hmm. but it's LeBron that, 
has taken over the locker room. I mean, you go even just from a small aspect of you, you never used to hear music and rap music blaring in the, in, the, in, the, in the Heat's locker room. It was always this pristine place where Pat <laughs> Rowley had the glass and the trophies and the photos and the carpet was magically clean and sparkling. And LeBron, told, you know, turned it into Club Live, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, before some games this season. Right. You know, he's blasting DMX and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and so for him to get that sort of leeway to do it tells you that, you know, he's having the more, you know, popular influence over these guys in the locker room. But it's clearly, you know, um, Dwayne Wade is the ten- trendsetter. You know, the, uh, one thing that also, you know, stood out to me was it was LeBron James that, that initiated the whole Trayvon Martin uh, hoodie photo situation mm. with this team a couple years, uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm. Um, but Dwayne Wade was the one that sort of educated them on how to do it and, and how we need to go about doing it. And right. are you ready to take on the backlash that could come from this? Wow. So it's sort of, you know, it, it's built around LeBron clearly, but I think Dwayne Wade is still influential enough to sort of guide this, guide this engine. And I think LeBron needs that guidance in a lot of ways still. Um. No, I, I just, uh, I just think it's a, you know, it's one of those things that we overanalyze sometimes. You know, whose team is this? And I, I wrote something about it that, that, you know, got a lot of Wade fans. And I call them Wade fans because they're clearly Dwayne Loyal. Wade fans first right. and foremost. You know, not necessarily just Heat fans. And, I, you know, I have a hard time. Lang, I don't know about you, but I have a tough time deciding, okay, if a guy is the is – the, pack mule and carrying the load all the way to you know till we get to the water and then another guy comes in you know and and takes the last sip well therefore it's his team it's to me kind of like a, a running back in the nfl if adrian peterson toasts the load up and down the field and then you give the ball to chester taylor to run it in on the two <laughs> well chester taylor is great at what he does and i'm not here to knock him but i'm saying the dude carrying that heavy load for the longest amount of time to me would be the guy that I'd say, well, that's the guy who makes this team go. And I, I'm curious, Mike, how not only how wait, 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 don't don't change it in subject yet, because to me, <laughs> I mean, I think of it more like baseball. Like, uh-huh. you have a starting pitcher and you have a closer, and the closer just comes in and pitches to three guys, right, in a perfect situation. But does that mean he's less important than the guy who pitched, you know, six and a half, seven innings? And see, you know, I can, I can settle. I can try to settle it a little bit there. And those both both of what you guys the analogies are great. They're, they're both. I'm serious. They're, they're great analogies because depending on which side you lean, you can justify your argument and 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 really really win a debate here on this. But the way I see it is this: I see it as these two guys are, are interlocked, and they absolutely need one another to do exactly the way they're doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade is not physically capable of carrying a team for four quarters. Like, like Sekou mentioned, uh, between Shaq and LeBron, he had a lot of 40-win teams there yeah. that were mediocre, and he had his best season in 2009 or eight when he led the league in scoring and, and had these astronomical numbers, and Atlanta Hawks beat him in the first round. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's one of those situations where – as, as much fun and as much of an individually great season that was, Dwayne knows he needs another guy to be able to do that heavy lifting mm-hmm. um, to, to, to sort of make sure that he's fresh in the fourth quarter and can take over a situation like that. And here's where LeBron needs it. LeBron is a guy that, for, for all of his greatness, he still has a fourth quarter, close game, high stakes, 
playoff situation glitch there sometimes. Right. Now, people go back and say, look at what he did against Detroit when he scored the la- – like he did last night, basically. He took over and scored the last yeah. 21 points. Yeah. Um, but there's also times against Boston, he, he had a triple-double in that last game, but we remember, remember him sort of checking out, you right. know. And, and against Dallas, you get all the way to the point. I remember in that Dallas series, there was a time in the fourth quarter in, in one of the games in Dallas, I think it was game five, and LeBron sort of just – Dwayne sort of came out of a timeout huddle and looked at LeBron and said, look, man, we need you. We need you. And, and LeBron was zoned out. <laughs> so, so, so what I'm saying is that LeBron can get you all the way to where you need to go but there's something in him that says, look, I don't, sometimes I don't want to be the guy that has to be responsible for the ultimate decision, for the ultimate outcome of the game. And if I got another great guy that can take that off my hands, so be it. And, and that's where that doesn't take away from LeBron a whole bunch, but it certainly shows that these guys are grouped together for a specific reason. And it's not always that way. It's not always right. that way at all. Right. But, but that's pretty much how it, how it sort of uh, comes down and, that's just the way it is. Until LeBron does it all the way through, then he's going to always have that sort of knock against him. Yeah. Have and and Mike, we know you're busy, so we can get you out of here on this last one. But have the people in Miami taken that situation and digested it the way you have, or you know what I mean? Like, have fans in Miami digested their dynamic, the relate, you know, that relationship dynamic on on the court specifically, and digested yeah. it that way, or do they understand? Okay, these guys are. They need each other to do exactly this, or are they still looking at it like this is Wade's team, and and we love you know, and we love LeBron, but at the end of the game, LeBron, make sure you give it to Dwayne so he can do what he does because they're used to seeing. It only takes one now. They they see Wade do what he did in that championship run, right? They they know it's there. So I mean, I'm 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 wondering if they see it the same way you do it in a in a really measured and you know nuanced approach to how these two guys coexist, or are they like? Most fans, and they look at it and go, Wade is the guy that took us there before, yeah, and he's the guy yeah. that'll do it again, you know? Yeah, of, of course not. They don't see it as logically as we try to see it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, they're fanatics for that, for that reason. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think as much as, as much as Dwayne Wade was, was, was phenomenal in that 2006 finals against Dallas, I, I think a true Heat fan would tell you that they wouldn't even have gotten to that position if it wasn't for Shaq setting right. it up. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think – you know, because Shaq was older and, and beyond his prime or getting beyond his prime at that point, there was never too much of uh, the appearance of a tug-of-war between those two over, the, over whose team it was. But because LeBron is younger, I think that's why you see that more now. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you what, I mean, LeBron, Miami fans love LeBron James. I mean, he's, he's new, he's shiny, he's, <laughs> you know, he's chic and everything. Right. But when he, when he flirted with Cleveland – you know, a month or so ago and said, hey, you know, I could see myself back here playing one day. That sort of turned off a lot of fans. And and that Mm. sort of reminded fans that, hey, this guy really isn't ours. We're just leasing him right now. We're leasing him with an option to buy. You know what I'm saying? Like Eddie Murphy used to say, you know what I'm saying? Raw, you know what I'm saying? We're leasing it with the option to buy. Right. And and with Dwayne, they know that, okay, Dwayne has been here from the transition from, you know, when, when, they, when they were just a, a young up-and-coming team to the one when they got Shaq to the one when they got Zoe back and then they won championships. So he's seen as the Derek Jeter in this situation, clearly, mm-hmm. whereas LeBron is clearly the A-Rod. Right. But, but when it comes down to it at the end of the day, Miami can't win a championship without all three of those guys, including Bosh, yeah. performing like all-stars to elite players. If one of them is off, that throws off everything because they've invested so much in that big three and so little into the supporting cast in terms of finding a productive Harden type, James Harden-type player yeah. or, or, or Lamar Odom-type player when Odom is right, 
they, they can't get that guy in the rotation because they can't get him on the roster. So right. those big three have to lead the way playing like superstars in order for this team to have a shot. And you need LeBron and Dwayne to sort of uh, play off of one another in that way. Mike Wallace, ESPN.com, down in Miami handling the business. Listen, we're going to have, this, we're going to have another conversation about these guys mm, around the 4th of July. After this whole thing is over, no, I'm serious because because we're gonna have to find out if they, you know, if they win it, it, you know, we'll we'll talk about how you, you know, how you looked, whatever you had on, because we know you're gonna come come cold blooded, you know, and, and oh, something. Yeah, no doubt. If no the, doubt. If they the, win it, if if they win it, it worked. If they lose it, if they lose it, they gotta break. They might have to break it up. It's yeah, a strong yeah. possibility of that. Yeah, so we're gonna have to have that conversation at some point, man. We we appreciate you, man. Know you're busy. Appreciate you coming on, dropping some knowledge on us. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. All right, man. Thanks, Mike. Mike Wallace. ESPN.com. That you know what I've I've yet to have that conversation with somebody who's in the know and who really is around those guys and watches that dynamic. And I didn't think about that, Lane. So you look at you look at it totally. That tells you our backgrounds, by the way. You know you you a baseball guy, so you <laughs> yeah, totally. you like you know you look at it like you know the, the closer. And I didn't. That's that's probably how I should view it instead of looking at it the way I do because I think it is much more. That's much more uh, applicable to their situation. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like LeBron is out there by himself carrying the load, but it's just when he's when he's leading early in those games or when he's out there setting the pace. I, I mean, I almost forget sometimes about the other dudes on the floor. I, I would, well, the, the way you described it with the football analogy to me, that almost that's pretty fitting because. In baseball, you know, the, the starting pitcher plays and then leaves the field, and yeah. the other guy comes in and does his job. But in football, you know, the, the guys stay out there. They help out. They, they play here and there. They hit, they pick their spots. They kind of come and go. Um, and so in that sense, you know, it, it, the, the Heat don't have, like, these clearly defined roles. Yeah. You know, Dwayne Wade's position on the, the – box score is not listed as closer <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> unlike in baseball it is that's right. your job you right. are the closer um so I, I think in that sense maybe the football ones is a bit more of a apt analogy yeah it's just it's just interesting i i you know because they're gonna have to they're gonna have to wear this thing until they win a championship together you know what i mean they're gonna have do, to do you have a care. problem with those guys having those roles i do not i yeah. do not i just i have a problem with people downgrading either one of them's performance based on the roles. Yeah. Like, you know, when I write that LeBron is the dude and people go, oh, you know, you're crazy. Well, and I'm going, well, you know, look at the load he's carrying. You know, look at the difference in the Miami Heat with LeBron and, and we've seen what they look like without him. That said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy. I understand that when Wade gets sure. it cranked up, you know, the only other dude in the league really who can play with him is on his team. You know, yeah. I mean, even this, even thirty-some-year-old Kobe can't play with you know the way Wade can play now. Now, at a younger, at an earlier stage in his career, you know, you could have put Kobe in the same breath as physically, and you know, as well as his game with any any of his contemporaries. But these guys are younger than Kobe. You know, right? They're that next generation of players. So it's, I don't know. I I I, I hate to say it, but I could talk. I could talk about the Heat and dissect that dynamic and. Study that team all day long, man. They're, they're the greatest gift to to basketball fans in terms of whether you love them or hate them. You know, whether you're a fan or not, they give you so much to talk about, so much to kind of look at. And that 
that intriguing dynamic about how great players learn to coexist with each other. You know, it's not it's not like a different era, Lang, where, you know, Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, they had a long time to get used to the roles they would have on that Bulls team. You know, it wasn't like that was an overnight thing. Wade and LeBron get together with Chris Bosh, and everybody expects them to just figure it out overnight. You know, and that's that's not the way this – that's not the way a team dynamic works. I mean, and that, and I think myself, along with a lot of other people who were real critical of the Heat last year, probably should have given them a little more leeway in that regard. So, you know, th- I think the other thing that kind of gets overlooked in this is that, you know, both guys are in that 2003 draft, but but Wade's like three years older yeah. than LeBron. Yeah, maybe even three and a half. Wade's 30, I know, and, and LeBron's like 27. 20 years, yeah. Yeah, so that's... I think there's a little bit, maybe he's, you know, he's, his body's a little bit older, taking more hits than LeBron's has. Um, and, you know, maybe there's a little bit more maturity there on Wade. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know them that well. But, um, you know, it's, I don't think we're, it's not like you're comparing two completely equal entities there. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's, again, you know, I don't have many, uh, I don't have many requests out of the Miami Heat. Like, <laughs> they do what they got to do. I'm never going to complain about having to go watch the Miami Heat play deep into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, as long, you know, and I I was that way when D-Wade was a rookie and he was playing with, you know, Eddie Jones and that crew. Um I ain't I'm never complaining about going to Miami. So as long as they want to <laughs> as long as they want to keep us, you know, uh on the hook for that for that Miami Heat setup, I I'm be glad to be glad to do it. And again, Mike Wallace of ESPN.com, you know, uh one of the best in the business, obviously, and and a guy who really has a, a a really good handle on just what's going on down there. So appreciate him coming on talking to us. Lang, moving away from the Heat and into some other news that's going on around the league, um, little you know a little football basketball marriage in New Orleans. You know, uh, Tom Benson, the owner of the Saints, steps up, buys the buys the New Orleans Hornets, who by the way I think they won four straight games. Um, you know, break out the parade, Mardi Gras time, baby. Um, <laughs> you know, this this potentially could be one of those deals where you got the the owner of the most beloved franchise in in the city of New Orleans buying, you know, the the NBA franchise that needs some love. You know, that needs yeah. some some TLC. You feel like this thing could work out in in and turn into something special the way Tom Benson does it. I don't know if you saw him talking at the press conference they had but i mean he's pretty confident you know that they're going we had him we had him on the beat yesterday right and, uh, right david david aldridge and i got to talk to him for a little while um yeah i mean he seemed pretty confident um he he seems like um you know he he said uh i think vince Cellini asked him if he you know if this was more of a um an investment for him or more of a civic responsibility you know that he felt to keep the team in new orleans and, and he said it was a little bit of both um you know, I, I think, you know, when the, obviously when the NBA bought the team, it was with the intention of keeping it there in New Orleans, and uh, and that's what happened. And David um, Stern yesterday at the press conference said, uh, you know, he felt that this really couldn't have worked out much better than it did. I, I do think, you know, um, I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, the, I looked it up. Benson bought the, the Saints in 1985. Right. And it, and it took them um, until a couple of years ago to win a Super Bowl. So I think that uh, I, I think uh, you know I don't know, but I, I think maybe <laughs> being an owner, you learn from that. And you learn, you know, you, it takes a little bit of patience and it takes building from the ground up and figuring out how to do it the right way. Um, 
but I, I would think having that experience can only be helpful to, to Benson. Yeah. Did you guys get a, a sense talking to him? You know, he, he's a colorful character. You know, he, he's yeah. got some, some, some of that old school charm to him and, you know, made some jokes at the initial press conference. Did you get a feel that, that an overhaul is coming or do you feel like he's going to kind of let the people that are in place continue to run things and, and, you know, kind of let them handle the business of getting this team back into, uh, you know, a playoff mode or at least chasing a chase, trying to chase a playoff. Uh, DA, DA asked him that question. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he said that he had yesterday morning met with everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and he said, he told him, don't be anxious. He said he, he wants to kind of like take some time, figure out, how it's working, if it's working, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, from people you talk to around the league or, you know, people I've talked to around the league, no one has anything but great things to say about Del Demps and Monty Williams and, right. you know, the way those guys have kind of handled this situation. So um, I would think those guys are, are, you know, at the very least, that's a really good place to start your franchise over, basically, um, yeah. having those guys running the show there. Well, Lang, real, you know, we we talking Hornets, and not many better places you can go to talk New Orleans Hornets than Jimmy Smith at the Times Picayune, joining us now on the Hangtime Podcast. Jimmy, uh, we you know we've been talking about Tom Benson and kind of the impact he might have. Does the city of New Orleans kind of get a boost when they know that Tom Benson is going to be involved with the Hornets now? Does that does that get people around town kind of you know chirped up about the Hornets at all? I think to a point, Siku, yeah, but, you know, what we have to realize here is regardless of who the new owner was going to be for the first time in 10 years, there was going to be stability with this franchise, nothing right. hanging over their heads regarding attendance thresholds and financial thresholds that had to be met in order to avoid out clauses in the contract. Uh, but, but the fact that it's Tom Benson just makes it a little bit better for everybody concerned because of his track record with the Saints. Uh, you know, the, the good feeling that, that he brought here post-Katrina, uh, once the, 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 the Saints started to rebuild and, 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 and enjoy that renaissance at the same time that the city has enjoyed a renaissance. Jimmy, uh, hey, Lang Whitaker here. One question I had, I had, we had Tom Benson on NBA TV with you yesterday. Uh, I saw it uh, yesterday, yes. And I was curious, like, what is, you know, I know football is king in the South. I'm from Atlanta originally. But what does basketball mean to New Orleans? And what have the Hornets um, meant to New Orleans the last few years? Well, you know, what a lot of people, Lang, probably don't remember, and you may not remember it either because it was 30-odd uh, years ago when, <laughs> when the Jazz came into the league here as an expansion team in 1974. The city fell in love with the Jazz primarily because of the brand of basketball they played and the fact that Pete Maravich, one of the greats of all time, uh, was the linchpin of those teams. When, yeah. when uh, the, the, uh, the Jazz played in the Superdome after the first year of, of splitting between Loyola Fieldhouse and Municipal Auditorium, they were setting massive attendance records uh, for, for games in the Superdome, 26,000, 30,000, 35,000. So basketball had, had taken a foothold here in New Orleans, and really, the, the, the Jazz, during the time they were here, the five years, really averaged about 12,000 during the middle three years there in the Superdome. The huh. last year, when they were the worst team in the league, they still averaged more than 9,000 a game. And that was when the NBA was playing in, in large facilities, such as uh, the Superdome, the Kingdome, the Silverdome, and, and Pontiac. So right. there's always been a fervor here for basketball. And it goes back even farther to the roots of the ABA. Uh, the New Orleans Buccaneers played here for three years 
pushed the Pittsburgh Pipers to the seventh game of the first ABA Finals, uh, a team here in New Orleans that was led by Larry Brown and Doug Moe, uh, Gerald Govan, Red Robbins. It, you know, so there's always been a basketball presence here in New Orleans, and they went 19 years between the last Jazz game and the first Hornets game here. So wow. it's, people have always enjoyed basketball, even though football had, you know, had uh, taken hold as well. Jimmy, that you mentioned that 19-year gap is you know, and then you you come back with the Hornets. You have Chris Paul. You know, after Baron Davis and that team made a little noise, you get Chris Paul in there, and you feel like maybe you got a chance to to really build something. Does the city have to get a little time to recover from having Paul and then not having him, and and realizing that maybe that era that you thought might be on the way or whatever you know big dreams you might have had with Chris Paul leading this team has to be readjusted? Because I don't I don't know if there's a new leader yet on the roster that you can point to and say, this guy is the future of our franchise. Well, you know, that, that leader was supposed to be Eric Gordon. Unfortunately, he missed 53 games, 54th game last night because he rested. But 54 games this season, he has not played. But in the games in which he's played, the, the Hornets are 5-2. and two. Right. And, and two of those games, he's made the, the winning points. So if, in fact, they can keep Eric Gordon and build around him, they've got those two lottery picks, Coming up in uh, in the draft on June the 28th, so it, it, you know it, you guys know that you can turn it around pretty quickly in the NBA, uh, and just uh, with a couple of pieces, and hopefully they can get lucky in the lottery as they did with Chris Paul, and and have someone who can step in immediately and and boost this team. But uh, you know you're right; it's going to take a little time, but it, maybe they can get lucky, and maybe the stars can align correctly for them, and they can be a little bit more competitive next season if if they can re-sign Eric Gordon to an extension and keep him healthy. Yeah. I, and I, I think it was you who asked at the press conference about changing the team name. Yeah, um, that's right. I covered the Jazz, so it, it, it is kind of near and dear to my heart, and it's still very difficult for me to write Utah Jazz. In fact, I try to go out of my way not to put Jazz in any of my stories. But anyway, uh, you know, it, 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 David Stern closed the door on that, so it's not going to be Jazz again, even though that, that name is so indigenous to this area since this yeah. is the birthplace of the genre and really the only American folk art that, that's been created, or the only folk art that's been created in the United States uh, is jazz, and it's the perfect match for the city. But I'm sure they'll come up with something uh, that, that, that will fit uh, maybe a little bit better than Hornets ever did. <laughs> no <laughs> question. But they do seem pretty focused on making on, on making that change, right? They're going to do something with that name. He, uh, yeah, Tom Benson seems intent on that, yes. Yeah. Well, it should be interesting. Jimmy Smith of the Times Pick You, man. We appreciate you taking a few minutes, Jimmy. Always good to hear your voice, my man. My pleasure, guys. All right, take Thanks, care. Sir. Lang, you, you got an idea maybe for uh, what a yeah, new nickname for the Saints? Uh, you know, the, the Saints owner's I new new yeah. toy, the, 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 the Hornets? What? You know, when we Mark Spears was on with us yesterday on the beat, and he's a New Orleanian. Um, <laughs> And he threw a name out just while we were like taping, uh-huh. um, like in a break a break between taping. He threw out the Saints <laughs> as a basketball team, right? Too. Could you do it both? You think you could do it both? I mean, there's been other teams, right? Yeah. I mean, there's like you. I mean, I, I most recently I remember the St. Louis uh, Cardinals in baseball and football. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think I can't think off the top of my head about a basketball team that's had the same name as a. Another franchise, though. Yeah, well, it would make for some easy, easy uh, paraphernalia sales. I mean, you know, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, he and Benson would own both both seats. Exactly, exactly. He'd be rocking and rolling, you know, just all over town. So I don't all know. Do you get any ideas? No, nah, I'm. You know, I, I do know some people from New Orleans. My next door neighbors, uh, you know, born and raised, and then you know. Our good friend Arthur Trish from the Hawks yeah. has probably got some some very specific uh, attitudes about it. We need to we need to canvas our our New Orleans connections. We and should find ask. Out. Yeah, yeah. My, my wife went to Tulane. I should ask her. Yeah, we'll we'll ask we'll ask around and come up with something. Maybe have a little contest for the for the listeners here on the Hangtime Podcast. Lang, it's fantastic as always. Uh, we cut it cut it short here. Unfortunately, uh, we got to get got to get the jump taped here at at NBA dot uh, com and NBA TV. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll get back here next week, playoff previews, uh, see who matches up with whom and uh, where we're going for the postseason, man. So we appreciate you for joining us, everybody. Uh, thank our guests again, Mike Wallace of ESPN.com and Jimmy Smith of the Times Picayune for coming on and talking about the Hornets. We'll see you next time. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. Download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. <laughs>